You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 13 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, this will be a bit more of a quick cast. Uh, we'll still give out uh, value on bets and everything, but uh, because we're putting this uh, odds cast out a lot later than we typically do, uh, we're just going to be flying through it with a, a very, very brief down and then our picks for each fight. So... Uh, UFC Vegas 13 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN 2 this Saturday. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card, we have a Bantamweight contest featuring Gustavo Lopez, who is 11 and 5, and Anthony Burchek, who is 15 and 6. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes before we get started here. As always, for the opening betting odds, refer to MMAOddsBreaker.com, our opening betting odds from Adam Martin for UFC on ESPN 40, Santos versus Teixeira. That's the article posted, and that's where the opening betting odds are from here, and they are market-wide opening prices. Now, the updated and current betting odds that I will be quoting are from Circa Sports, Circa Resort here in Las Vegas. If you guys are in Vegas, make sure you check out the new resort. It's the best sports book in the world. Sports book in the world. Very excited to be part of this great team as always. So make sure you check us out at Circa Sports and at Circa Las Vegas. Now getting right into the fight. Burchek open minus 155. The comeback on Lopez plus 125. And right now the current betting odds at Circa Sports are Lopez minus 135. The comeback at plus 115. So line flipped. More support coming in Lopez's way. I understand it. I mean, he took a fight against one of the hardest guys to beat in the division and Divashvili. And I think Lopez ended up showing pretty well despite losing his debut on shores. The guy's a former combate champion. He's got Thunder in his fists. He's got decent wrestling, decent takedown defense. He's going to have the striking advantage over Burchek. But that said, I think Burchek is still the more capable grappler. I think he has finishing ability, and I think he probably gets this done because of his dominant game. So I'm going to go against the grain, and I know people are coming in Lopez's way, but I'm going to pick Burchek to win this fight. And I think it's going to be a dog or pass situation either way. This is exactly a coin flip type type of fight in my opinion. So I think you got to lean with whatever plus money you can get. And right now the probably is more so on Burchek since the line has flipped. And I'm going to go the other way. I mean, both of these guys are talented. Uh, Lopez is definitely the better striker here. Uh, Burchek, I think, is the better. Um, Burchek has really been active lately uh, in terms of not just fighting, uh, which he's been doing in LFA and Combate, uh, but also he's been doing a lot of uh, grappling uh, all around the world. So... Um, I think if this fight does go to the floor, you have to favor Burchek, although Gustavo Lopez does have a sneaky good ground game at times, too. Um, he didn't really get a chance to showcase it much against Devalishvili, but nobody really does against Devalishvili. I mean, he is a relentless wrestler. So uh, if Burchek can drag this to the floor and get top position, I think that he has a decent chance to win, as Nick said. But uh, Lopez is such a better striker um, and dangerous with some good power. 
I really think that with a full camp and able to pair, unlike stepping in on super short notice against one of the best bantamweights in the world, I think that uh, you're going to see a much better version of Gustavo Lopez this time around. So I'm going to go with Lopez. I think that he wins uh, likely a decision here. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Max Griffin, who is 15-8, and eight, taking on Ramiz Brahimaj, who is 8-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Griffin open minus 195, Brahimaj plus 60. And right now what you're seeing over at Circus Sports is Griffin minus 130, the comeback on Brahimaj at plus 110. So people gobbling up that plus money from plus 160 all the way down to plus 110. I don't blame you guys. Brahimaj, a very underrated prospect coming into the U.S. A lot of hype behind him. I mean, he's had some personal experiences that kept him out. I mean, some surgery, a lot of, like I said, personal issues outside of his fighting career. But he's finally getting that shot to make the UFC. Um, and I think he can shine realistically. This guy has a dominant ground game. He's so good and just unique on the ground, if that's the right term I want to use, and so dominant. So that's his path to victory here. But unfortunately for him, I think if he, he's not able to get the submission over Griffin, he probably loses his fight. So I think it's a submission or bust case. That said, I'm going to pick Griffin here and go the other way. Now, on the plus money at plus 160, though, so I agree with that. And it's a dogger pass situation. But as far as a pure pick goes, I think Griffin is a little bit more well-rounded. And a little bit more experience, especially with the UFC level competition he's faced at this point of his career. So I will pick Griffin to win this fight. There's no doubt that Brahimaj is a very dangerous grappler, but uh, he still really has struggled at times against uh, superior competition or people that can uh, keep the fight upright. Uh, you saw that when he went to his last four fights in LFA. Now, uh, if he can get Griffin down, I mean, he absolutely could end this fight by submission but uh, i think the more likely outcome here is griffin fends off the takedown i think griffin's takedown defense is better than the two people that were able to stop uh, and stuff brahimaj's takedown to lfa and uh, i think griffin keeps this upright and either scores a knockout on the feet or outpoints brahimaj over the course of three rounds so center bust for brahimaj but i don't think he gets it so i'm gonna go griffin now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Darren Elkins, who is 24 and 9, taking on Eduardo Garagori, who is 13 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open? What's the public shift of things so far? Elkins open minus 225, Garagori plus 190. And right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, minus 250 for Elkins, a comeback in Garagori at plus 215. Two way action coming in this fight. It's rising as we get closer to fight time a little bit. I mean, Garagori is just not a public betting favorite out there, meaning that I'm not actually favored in this fight. I'm saying like at the betting window, a lot of people aren't jumping the gun just to to go out there and fire on him as a dog. So I think he has the striking advantage in this spot. I think he's facing Elkins at the right time. Elkins has, I think, never been better as far as mentally and maybe overall skill set, but he is getting older and he's going to be hitting that spot where he's on the decline. I mean, he's taken a lot of damage throughout his career. So I think Garagori can kind of step in here and able to kind of stifle the grinding game plan of Elkins, he could do some damage and do well in this fight. So I, I don't trust Elkins in this spot, but I have to pick him, though, because he will be relentless. He will try to make this an ugly, grueling fight. And he is, again, just a level above Garagori this spot. But would I bet him at minus 250? Absolutely not. I, would, I do think Elkins wins, so I have to pick him here, though. Uh, Garagori is definitely the more dangerous striker here. Um, and Elkins has a tendency to get punched in the face a lot in fights. So that is something that you have to definitely be concerned about. Um, and Garagori does have some power, but, um, 
Garagori was pretty easily taken down and submitted by Ricardo Ramos in his last fight. And uh, I feel like uh, Elkins is at least as good of a wrestler as Ramos, if not better. So I think he can drag this fight to the floor, and that's where he does his best work. I mean, Elkins has an okay uh, submission game. He has pretty good ground and pound, and he's very durable. So it's unlikely that Garagori is going to get a knockout on the f- And I think it's only a matter of time until Elkins uh, grinds this out, whether it's, you know, clinching in the fence, dragging it down with wrestling, uh, doing his thing. And, and Elkins can hold his own on the feet for a little bit at least, too. Um, so Elkins is on a four-fight losing streak, but I think that ends here. So this is a winnable fight for him, and I think he gets the job done with the grappling. So Elkins is my pick. Now, moving up to heavyweight, we have Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, who is 17-6-1, taking on Alexander Romanov, who is 12-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Romanov open minus 300, the comeback into Lima plus 250. And right now over Circus Sports, we're seeing Romanov minus 485, comeback into Lima. So people not hesitating to bet uh, Romanov over to Lima in this spot. Romanov looked impressive, obviously, in his UFC debut. De Lima, uh, man, he's dangerous, though. You can't take that away from him. And his wins in the UFC, he's looked like a very capable and dominant fighter at times. So Delima is dangerous, but everybody coming in on Romanoff, I mean, he is the better fighter here. He should be able to probably get this to the floor and then dominate once he is on the ground. So the pick is Romanoff, but at the betting window, at the point right now where it is, minus 485, get out of here. Stay away from it. I know people are looking to put things in beats and parlays or whatnot. I mean, the parlay value is probably gone at this spot when it's climbing towards minus 500 as well. Well, so I would probably stay away from it in general at this point. But my pick is Romanoff. I think he does get the W here. The, the reason people, you know, you just look at how DeLima has lost his last four fights. He's alternated wins and losses in every one of his fights since 2014. Uh, and it's been uh win by typically by or get submitted. Um, You know, he got submitted by Krylov. Then he got a... Victory by stoppage. Then he got submitted by Antigulov. Then he knocked out Jeremy Kimball. Then he got submitted by St. Prue. Uh, then he beat, uh, Weizerek. Then he got submitted by Struve. And he's coming off of a TKO, uh, Victor Sassoli. So, uh, he's got a puncher's chance here. He has power. I mean, Sassoli's a guy that has a great chin and he blasted him in a minute 28. So he's, if, uh, Romanov screws around, does not get this to the floor quickly. Uh, Delima always is going to be dangerous with those heavy hands. So Hunter's chance, but the far more likely outcome is Romanov drags us to the floor and then either TKOs him on the ground or submits him on the ground. So my pick is going to be Romanov. Now dropping back down to the featherweight division, we have Giga Chikadze, who is 11 and two taking on Jamie Simmons, who is seven and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how was the public shifted? Chikadze opened minus 485 to come back on Simmons at plus 350. And right now looking over Circus Sports, we have Chikadze minus 880 to come back on Simmons at plus 630. So more people coming in on Chikadze and basically doubling up the line as far as pricing goes. Just a bad matchup for Simmons. I mean, Simmons is a very capable fighter, meaning he's more than 
capable of putting the fight to the floor, utilizing his grappling, his wrestling, and getting the fight finished. I mean, this guy is definitely a fighter, um, especially in the ground aspect of things. On the feet, he does have a little bit of power, but he's going to get picked apart here against Chikaze. So if Chikaze is capable of keeping this fight upright, he's going to make this look like a, a piece of art, really. So I think that's why everybody's kind of leaning Chikaze. I mean, it, this is obviously a very winnable fight for him the price is right for him as well i mean now at, at the point where it is minus eight nine hundred i mean there is a path to victory for simmons like i said on the ground so if he does take chikadze's back or manages to get some kind of crazy position on the ground you have to definitely respect simmons ground but outside of that i mean it's basically like a submission or bust type of situation i think here chikadze is the much better fighter he should be able to keep this up and win this fight so would not touch it at the betting window i mean it went from minus 500 to almost minus 900 now stay away from it but the pick is chikadze and I 100% agree. Uh, Simmons is making the UFC debut. And I mean, Chikadze at this point is, you know, knocking on the door, being a top 15 guy in uh, the featherweight division, uh, or at least he's starting close. Um, Simmons does have some power. He has some uh, grappling, but unless he blasts Chikadze on the feet, and I think that's very unlikely because Chikadze is so defensively sound. I mean, put on a clinic against Morales in his last fight. Um, the, the only path to victory realistically is if he can drag this to the floor and tap Chikadze out because he did get a rear naked choke win in his last fight. Uh, most of his amateur fights he uh, was able to win with his grab. So that's the path to victory here, but it's still very unlikely. Uh, Chikaze just uses distance so well. Um, I think the most likely outcome here is Chikaze gets uh, that first TKO finish he's been looking for in the UFC. He was very close fight, and uh, Simmons is a little chinny. He got finished in 13 seconds in his uh, LFA fight. So uh, I think it's very possible that Chikaze knocks him out here. So Chikaze is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Trevin Giles, two, taking on Bevan Lewis, who is seven and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 115, the comeback on Lewis at minus 105. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we have this exactly a pick em fight. Minus 110 each way. Minus 110 Giles, minus 110 Lewis. I think it's about right. It's an accurate line because this is such a difficult fight. This is a battle between two guys, in my opinion, that have been let down, so to speak. Both guys very hyped coming into the UFC, both high expectations, both guys capable of being UFC middleweight contenders. That's how good these guys have it as far as physical attributes and physical potential and skill set, everything across the board. I mean, these guys definitely have what it takes, I think. At least we thought at one point to make a run towards the title shot, but they've just been a letdown. It's been a roller coaster ride, so to speak, for both guys. So this is a very difficult fight to pick because I, I like things about both. At the same time, I can't trust them at, you know, with those letdown performances that they've had. So I've been kind of bouncing back and forth. So again, to me, a pick em fight is very appropriately, uh, appropriately set a pick em type of line for this fight. I'm going to pick Giles. Probably, if he stays out of trouble um, and keeps a steady pace here, I think he could be a little bit more explosive on the feet at times, and I think he could kind of bully uh, Lewis around. He's been in there with bigger men in the past. I, I don't think it's going to be anything uh, as far as size goes for him and being an issue here in this spot. So I think Giles is a little bit more steady and end up grinding out a very close competitive 29-28 um, decision win. I know that's not a very popular take. A lot of people, I believe, are leaning more towards Lewis. I understand it. But again, until he shows me that he's capable of getting over that hump and, and performing at a consistent high pace, 
it's hard to trust him. So at least Giles, in my opinion, is maybe a little bit further in that sort of way, even though he's had some letdowns as well. But I trust him just slightly more in this spot. So who knows how this one's going to play out, I guess, slightly towards Giles. But obviously at the betting window, not a confident take for me either way. Um, I do think Pickham's about right. Yeah, this is this is the battle of the underachievers, absolutely. Um, Giles, you know, does have a few more ways to win because he's got the wrestling and the stand-up. Um, while Lewis is a lot more reliant on, uh, the stand-up and his pure knockout power. Um, but man, both guys have underperformed so much. Giles especially because he started so strong in his UFC career with two straight impressive stoppage victories. Uh, then he gets submitted in the third round in back-to-back fights. And then in his last fight, James Krause, who is a good fighter, but Krause stepped in on like a day's notice and and Giles just barely eked out a split decision. Um, Lewis, on the other hand, you know, this is a guy that people have been hyping up for a long time. Um, and it looked like he was right there, the knockout victory to earn the UFC appearance. They threw him in there against Uriah Hall for his debut, uh, and he gets knocked out. Then he loses a decision to Darren Stewart. So... Uh, you know, we know that he's not quite ready for that elite competition, but, uh, I still think there's some potential there. I think if he can fend off Giles' takedown attempts, um, I think he's going to be able to, uh, either outpoint him on the feet or knock him out, uh, especially as this wears on because it's just a slowdown. So I'm going to go with Bevan Lewis, but I could be wrong. Now, uh, moving on to the main card in the women's flyweight division, we have Claudia Gadelia, who is 18 and four, taking on Xiaonan Yan, 12 and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Gadelli opened minus 130, the comeback on Yan at plus one. And right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, Yan minus 180. The comeback on Gadelia at plus 155. So needless to say, the action coming in Jan's way, of course it should. I mean, at this point in their career, again, the writing's kind of on the wall where they are. Jan, an up-and-coming surging contender, and Gadelia on the other side of it. Obviously, he was a contender and, and kind of hit that decline spot. She's still competing at a high level. We get it. I understand it. I mean, she could still compete with the best of them and, and make things interesting. I mean, if you look at her last few performances, I mean, we're all kind of criticizing her, but she's fought high-level competition, and she continued to do so, but she snuck got that win over Angela Hill, um, had a pretty competitive fight over Marcos as well, of course, losing that fight to Ansaroff, which I think was a head-scratcher to a lot of people, although Ansaroff has improved. But we could just tell the decline that Gadelia's on, and it's her conditioning, it's her cardio that's always let her down. But I get the point where it's still an issue. I mean, she will start off strong in round one, but by round two and round three at times, even though – she was a little bit more consistent at times, I think, in that Hill fight. But still, I think, especially with a fighter like Jan, you cannot afford to slow down. Jan will pick her part especially in round two and round three and make this a little bit more clear. So a lot of people are banking on the narrative here that Gedalia slows down after the first round and Yan starts taking over round two and three. I believe that's the case as well. Where the line is at right now, though, you guys got to be careful, man. Laying almost minus 200-ish where the price is getting at. Minus one like the Circa. There are some minus 170s out there. So we'll see where this line ends up closing. I don't think it'll get much higher. Gedalia is a very talented fighter. In fact, she's the more well-rounded fighter of the two. I mean, her ground game's legit. If she's able to get the takedowns and control this fight and maybe even look for submission on the ground. I mean, she's, we haven't had a dominant game from her for a long time. I understand that, but 
that being said, that's her path of victory here. So maybe we're counting out a little bit too much, and, and it will be a close fight, even if it does hit the scorecards, because like I said, Gadelia is capable of winning the first round here, and maybe she prefers in round two, or possibly, which is doubtful in round three. We don't know that, but the state of MMA judging, as we always say, it's a head-scratcher. So this will be a competitive fight. We know that. Be cautious at what price you lay on the favorite, but I do have to agree that Jan is probably the right side here. And I'll go Jan too. I mean, basic MMA math that people like to use. Um, you know, Gedelia arguably lost to Angela Hill in her last fight and Jan pieced uphill, uh, just two. So, um, I think Jan is significantly better than Gedelia on the feet. It's just going to boil down to can Jan or Gedelia get takedowns because on the feet, this is a blowout. Um, Gedelia also fades. So even if she does get takedowns early, can she continue to get takedowns or can she get an early finish? Because as this fight wears on, uh, Gedelia is going to wear it. Um, so, um, will Gedelia get takedowns? I'm not quite convinced, although Jan hasn't been tested much by Grab UFC. So we could be surprised here. Uh, um, if Jan isn't quite as far along on with her ground game as we thought. And Gedelia potentially could cruise here if she, you know, is able to get it down and Jan is a fish out of the water there. But, uh, we haven't seen that yet. And Jan has looked very good so far. Uh, I think the most likely outcome here is a Jan decision, but, uh, Gedelia could, uh, make something happen if that ground game is working. But, uh, Jan will be my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Ian Heinich, who is 14 and 3. Taking on Brandon Allen, who is fifteen and three. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? This fight opened exactly minus one ten for Allen, minus one ten for Heinish. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Allen minus one fifteen, the comeback on Heinish at minus one oh five. So staying close to pick 'em, there is a lot of two way action coming in this fight as well. Man, what a head-scratcher type of fight this is. I mean, both of these guys are capable. Both of these guys have had a lot on UFC, and both of them have pretty much lived up to expectations. Although, Heinish did have a couple of setbacks there, back-to-back losses, Doc Madoff and Brunson, which were a bit of a head-scratcher, I think, in most people's minds, because he had a lot of momentum coming in, uh, beating Ferreira, beating Carlos Jr. A lot of people were thinking he was a contender and on his way up, but he had a setback. And uh, I think it brought him back down to reality a little bit. But he looked great over his win over Mearshart and kind of looking to double that up with his teammate against his teammate and Allen. But Allen has been looking great. I know his late Dacus was probably closer than most people anticipated. But make no mistake, Dacus is a very tough fight, very tough out. And that wasn't a bad win for Allen, if that makes sense. I think that was a very solid win. So Allen continues to improve. Continues to show me a lot, honestly, and I think he does have the slight advantage over Heinish here, and I think it will be his grand probably gets it done for him if he's able to do so here in this spot. So not going to be easy. I think it'll be a close back-and-forth battle on the feet. I think Allen will have his moments. I think Heinish is a little bit more of these bite-on-your-mouthpiece type of guy and, and maybe will be doing more damage along with um, if it does stay up on the feet. So it's going to be interesting and very competitive in that sort of speak, but I think Allen could probably get some takedowns, take his back, and look for that submission threat along the way enough time that he probably edges it out if he does hit the scorecards here. So not going to be an easy fight for either gentleman. Like I said, this is a pick type of fight. We lean towards Allen, though, in this spot. For me, it just boils down to who has more paths to victory. Um, with Heinish, I feel like he, you know, wear Allen down, um, get him tired um, because he's not as skilled as Allen. 
Uh, I think Allen is just as good, if not better, on the feet. I think Allen has the much better ground game. Uh, Heinish has overperformed just because he's a blood and guts type of fighter um, that has uh, a lot of determination. He just keeps going and going, and he can uh, eventually outgrapple uh, superior grapplers just by wearing them out a little bit. I don't think that happens here. Uh, Allen can push a good pace. He has really impressive grappling skills. He might even submit Heinish, uh, even though Heinish has uh, been in there against some excellent grapplers and held his own. Um, and I think on the feet, Allen is pr actually probably the better technical, although Heinish is more aggressive. So that'll be the real interesting thing to see play out. But And also, if Heinish does play with fire and look for takedowns, that also could make things interesting. But uh, I think Allen is just technically in all areas, so I'm going to side with him. Uh, I think he potentially could get a finish, but he also uh, probably gets the decision instead. So Allen will be my pick. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Rayoni Slos, who is 15-1, and one, taking on Khalid Taha, who is 13-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Barcelos open minus 325, the comeback on Taha at plus 250. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Barcelos minus 365, Taha plus 300. So a little bit more action coming in Barcelos' way. Lines tightened up across the board. Yeah, there is going to be two action in this fight. A little bit more so on Barcelos, though, because obviously he's got more passive victory. He's got the hype behind him by far. He is the more capable, rounded fighter. Make no mistake about it. This guy is a beast, man. On the feet, he looks great. I mean, he's definitely hittable at times. Um, which is a, a bit of a concern, especially with a fighter like Taha on the other side of things. He's a phenomenal striker. He, he's really fun to watch, and he is capable of coming in here and seeing Barcelos on the feet, but the difference maker is Barcelos' ground game, so that's why you're seeing him be a solid favorite in this matchup, and he can mix things up. So on the feet, I think it'll be very competitive back and forth. Both these guys will have their moments, um, but that's where Taha will have his best shot, but we're going to be Barcelos in his ground game and the more capable fighter and the more well-rounded fighter probably getting it done. So at the betting window, I would be cautious, though, because, again, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be expecting an easy win for Barcelos. And maybe we see it in the first couple minutes if he gets this fight to the ground and is able to sub Taha. I think it could play out that way. But if not, if this fight plays out for a little while, it probably will be fairly competitive. So be cautious again at the betting window. you got to respect Taha. But my pick is Barcelos to get it done. Yeah, this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Barcelos is super talented. This guy is good on the feet, great on the ground. Um, he's been able to, uh, score knockout victories against really impressive guy like a Kurt Hollaball and then was able to win a decision against Said Nurmagomedov, a very dangerous. So, you know, this guy can do it all. Um, I think that he is one of the best up-and-coming fighters in the Bantamweight division. This uh, Taha isn't exactly, you know, a gatekeeper for the Bantamweight top 15 or anything. Uh, this feels like a pretty big mismatch. Taha does have a lot of power. He won uh, convincingly in his last fight by, like, 25 seconds. So there's always a puncher's chance here, but the by far most likely outcome here is... Uh, Barcelos either drags this down and works over Taha from top position to get a finish on the canvas by submission or knockout, or uh, Barcelos potentially just outpoints him or knocks him out on the feet. Uh, and Taha's path to victory is basically knockout or bust. I think that's very much less likely to happen. So Barcelos is going to be my pick. Now, 
Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Andre Arlovsky, who is 29 and 19, taking on Tanner Boser, who is 19, 6 and 1. Now, Nick, maker's perspective on this one. Boser minus 260, the comeback on Arlovsky plus 220. Not high enough, as we see Boser minus 335 right now over at Circus Sports, the comeback on Arlovsky at plus 280. I agree with the action coming in early on Boser. I think, man, what he's exhibited the last few fights. I mean, coming into the UFC, we knew this guy was a solid heavyweight, um, decent resume coming in, you know, as far as experience outside of the UFC. So he was capable and had some potential, but he put the work and got himself over that hump to the point where he could be a serious contender right now. I mean, his performances, his last few outings have been remarkable to watch. The guy, I think he's never been in better shape. So you could see the physical improvements in, in his body. And then you could also see the speed and the public confidence. I mean, this guy is taking things to another level. I think his loss to Gagne was really uh, a good showing, meaning that it wasn't a, a nasty loss or it wasn't a devastating loss. It was a pretty competitive, although he did get beat clearly. It was a, a decent showing from him, if that makes sense, because I think Gagne is going to be um contender type of heavyweight in the future. He's going to get a lot of respect, obviously. So that wasn't a bad loss for him. And I think that kind of turned the corner and gave him a confidence level that he's never had before. So unfortunately for Arlovsky here, I don't think it's going to be a good fight for him. Arlovsky has been been used kind of in that gatekeeper role. Um, we all know that. He's been able to pick off a lot of these guys and not let them through, though, man. I mean, Orlovsky's a tough out still at this age, at his experience. You wouldn't believe it, and you wouldn't think that he's still capable of competing at a high level, but he is. And if you can't get Orlovsky out of there and it hits the scorecards, it's always a very clear decision. So I think if it hits the cards, it probably will be fairly competitive, but I still think Bozer wins, and I think there's a better shot that he probably knocks Orlovsky out along the way. So even though Orlovsky's game and you got to respect the guy, I don't think he's going to be up for this version of Bozer that can fight by fight. So I like what I see from him. I respect Bozer, and I think he probably gets it done here. So the pick is Bozer. Yeah, Bozer is definitely a heavyweight on the rise. Um, when I first looked at him, I think I underrated him. I, uh, he had a reputation as a decision machine with no power uh, in the heavyweight division. And he got thrown in there to the Wolves. Uh, second fight in the UFC was facing. Jason uh, Cyril Gane, you know, one of the more dangerous up-and-coming prospects in the division, uh, and he lost a decision. He didn't get finished, which is pretty impressive, too. Uh, and since then, he has been sensational, uh, taken on Philip Linz and uh, Rafael Pessoa and finished both of them, um, two dangerous guys. Uh, that really, really impressed me. Um, it feels like he's turning the corner. Um, could he be biting off too much? too soon here against Arlovsky. It's possible. You know, Arlovsky has a lot of experience. He's a pretty solid technical striker. So, and he's played sports, a lot of up and coming prospects in the past. So, and even if when prospects beat him, sometimes it's a really close fight, uh, like, uh, uh Augusta Sakai. So it totally could, uh, be Arlovsky playing spoiler here and winning by decision. But I think the more likely outcome here is Boser pushing a high pace, not slowing down because he actually does have good conditioning for a heavyweight. Um, and he throws at high volume. I think he just overwhelms uh, and either knocks him out or wins a decision along the way. So my pick is going to be Boser. Now this brings us to the main event of the evening. We have Tiago Santos, who is 21 and seven taking on Glover Teixeira, who is 1-7, and this is in the light heavyweight division. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Santos opened minus 220. The comeback on Teixeira, plus 185. Now what we're seeing over Circus Sports, Santos minus 240. The comeback on Teixeira, plus 205. Some more action coming in Santos's way. A lot of people can't wait to see this guy back in the octagon. I mean, the guy's been a beast. I know he lost last time out to John Jones by split decision, by the way. So stock on the rise completely. We saw that his knees were actually injured in that fight. He had a long time off now, got surgery, fully healed from what I've heard, and he's ready to step back in there again. High, highly intake return to the UFC because this guy could be a, a legit contender and possibly get a title shot at if he beats Glover here in this spot. But Teixeira, in my opinion, is the better fighter. I mean, obviously, this matchup here, the narrative is Santos should come in here and probably knock Glover out. That's why he's betting Santos' way. That's why you're seeing him as a solid favorite. I mean, Glover... He's 41 years old. He has been knocked out in the past by heavy hitters that we've seen it time and time again. So I understand that that could very possibly happen here in this spot. But people always estimate him. And again, I think he is the more well-rounded and the more capable fighter here. I think Glover's boxing is actually underrated at times. I mean, again, defensively, he's got to move that head off the line a little bit. And his chin definitely worries me. But offensively, the guy has thunder in his hands. I mean, he's capable of getting the knockout as well. I mean, Santos is the best chin, although he's been able to perform again better as of late for sure, but he's been knocked out several times throughout his career. So Glover has a capability of getting in here, mixing it up, landing that knockout shot the other way. I know everybody's anticipating it to be Santos getting the knockout W, but I can see it realistically that way, despite Santos having the bigger advantage in that regard. But what it all plays pays out to me with Glover is by submission. If he gets this fight to the ground, I know Santos's takedown defense continues to improve, but on the ground, there's a huge discrepancy and Santos really a fish out of water when it comes to the defending against Teixeira. So Glover Teixeira's best path to victory is getting this fight to the ground and going to work and beating Santos on the ground. I think he's very capable of doing that. So he has more paths to victory here. I think if it hits the scorecards even, it'll be a fairly competitive fight, but Glover has the edge on the call. So to me, it's Santos landing that knockout punch or not. And if Santos does, he's going to win the fight, obviously. If not, he's going to lose the fight. So I think it's a dog or pass situation here. You can't go crazy because I could see Santos getting this done inside the first round. That's how dangerous offensively this guy could be. No, make no mistake about it. But if you're looking at betting value, that's not the way to go. You cannot lay minus 240 in my opinion. It's a dog or pass situation. I'm going to pick Glover to win this fight straight out. He is the better mixed martial artist. I understand he's aging and he's more than capable of being knocked out in this spot, but it's a, a capable win for him. So I'm going to pick him to win and I'll go against the public narrative here against uh, Santos getting the knockout here. So my pick is to share to get the W. And I actually uh, agree with you here. I think Tiago Santos is super dangerous. You can't count him out. Um, and he has some hugely impressive victories. I mean, beat Jack Hermanson at middleweight, knocked out Anthony Smith, has knocked out the current champ, Jan Blachowicz, at light heavyweight, uh, and had that razor-close fight to John Jones. So he is a more than capable uh, striker. The problem is uh, his ground game. I mean, uh, Eric Spicely tapped him out. Um, Cesar Ferreira tapped him out. Um, so there's definitely some big paths to victory if Glover can get this to the floor. And uh, Santos also is a little chinny. Uh, people forget that because he's been stating on the feet and has some really quality knockout victories. But uh, he got knocked out by David Branch at middleweight. He got knocked out by Gegard Mousasi at middleweight. And even back when he fought 
at a welterweight way back in the day. Uh, you know, Vicente Luque knocked him out in Brazil. So, uh, you know, granted, it's been good fighters that knocked him out, but still, it can happen. So I think Glover Teixeira has a path to victory on the feet, and he's showcased some really improved striking um, in his last fight stand-up against Anthony Smith, especially after that first round. Um, and there's a huge path to victory here if Glover can get this to the floor. Now, Glover also is chinny. He's been rocked and knocked out uh FC career multiple times, but it, super dangerous ground game, good wrestling. Uh, I think he's a much more likely to use his wrestling here. Um, as just takes Santos completely out of his game. So I have to go with uh, Glover Teixeira. He's fighting at a level right now, uh, coming off an impressive win over Anthony Smith. And I think that he does it again. You, you also have to factor in that Santos hasn't fought in almost a year and a half, and he's coming off of double knee surgery. Uh, on So is he going to be the same guy? Uh, we just don't know yet. So I have to side with Glover Teixeira. I think that he has all the momentum right now. Uh, people may be thinking Tiago Santos does because of the how close it, that loss was to John Jones. But you got to remember, John Jones hasn't exactly been fighting that well either. So uh, I'm going to go with Glover. I think, uh, again, way more paths to victory. So Glover's going to be my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 13. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium because that's where we'll post them first. We also have a free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com in the top tab. Check that out. Um, And also remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting on your side this weekend.